Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. Welcome back, Nuwana's Now. ESPN Radio as well as, the S- as well as SWX Montana statewide and the ESPN MT app. Get that ESPN MT app in your life, even though Coulter Nuwana's is not sitting in studio today. It's Andrew Houghton rocking with you here for the second hour of Nuwana's Now. Back for a little more across the sidelines action. Montana and Montana State playing this weekend. The Grizz on the road in Pocatello at Holt Arena. I caught up with Greg Woods, who's the beat writer for the Idaho State Journal down there in Pocatello. A good friend of mine and a guy who knows just as much as anybody does about the Idaho State football team. Here's some more across the sidelines presented by Vance Thompson Vision of Bozeman. Well, the beat rolls on. If you know anything about me, you know that before I came to ESPN Missoula, I was working for the Idaho State Journal down there in Pocatello, Idaho, covering ISU Bengals football, women's basketball, kind of high school sports down there in southeast Idaho. Last year, we had Jordan Kay, who took over for me, talking a little bit about ISU. This year, we've got another guy, the latest in a long line of great sports reporters down there at the Idaho State Journal in Pocatello. It's Greg Woods joining myself, Andrew Houghton, to talk a little ISU Bengals football as the Montana Grizzlies are heading down to Pocatello to take on the 0-4 Bengals this weekend. Greg, first off, man, thanks for coming on. How's life down there in Pokey? Yeah, it's great. Thanks for having me on. It is... um it's great, man. I'm just uh, planning to pick up basketball every now and then, and uh, write, you know, preps and ISU stuff, and uh, trying to, uh, you know, enjoy covering an 0-4 team. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes this season. For sure. Let's just start there. How's it been like? What have been your first impressions of ISU football? And I know that you were around in that area of the country because you were working at the Idaho Falls paper when I was down in Pocatello. So you were aware, but what were your first impressions of ISU? Um, well, I didn't, like, when I was in Idaho Falls, I didn't, like, pay super close attention to ISU just because, like, that was outside of our coverage area, and they didn't seem to, I mean, they were also, they had, like, a one-win season back then, so it wasn't like I had, like, I was super intrigued by them <laughs> for that reason. 
Um, but but now I just like I don't know like with a lot of these first year head coaches like Charlie Ragel, they just walk into the situation where they just have a lot of guys obviously are not their guys and. Um, so Ragel had to bring out a, a, a bunch of like JUCO guys, whether it's from California, like the Bay Area where he used to coach, Arizona where he got his coaching start, and he just had to bring in like a bunch of these guys kind of at the last minute just to kind of fill out the roster. Um, so in a lot of ways, a lot of what has um, happened this year is like way out of his control. Whether it's you know his DB coach getting arrested for murder, <laughs> or uh, you know his first two uh, quarterbacks going down with injuries, and it's just like. It's a really tough hand for him to be dealt in his first year, um, especially now you get a you know a number two team in FCS in Montana this weekend. So um, definitely you know a very forgettable start to the season, um, but it's also tough for them just because like a lot of the way the season has gone has been just out of their hands in a lot of ways. Well, that's right, Charlie Raggle in his first year at Idaho State. After Rob Fennessy, former Montana offensive coordinator, got five years there, had a couple of optimistic, uh, you know, maybe moving forward years, but things sort of fell apart on Fenn at the end there, and he was let go after the fall 2021 season, and they picked Charlie Raggle. It's his first head coaching job, at least in college. I know he's got some high school head coaching experience, and that's sort of how he got into the game. He's an Arizona guy, so he coached high schools in Arizona for some time. He's had jobs at Arizona and at Arizona State, but he comes to Idaho State from Cal, where he was the special teams coordinator for several years. Greg, what have you thought about Charlie Raggle? What do you think his his strengths, his weaknesses are, and what does he want his football team to look like? Yeah, well, he, uh, you know, like you said, he his last job was the uh, special teams coordinator at Cal, and in a really, like, strange and unfortunate twist, when he got to ISU, he had exactly zero specialists on the roster. <laughs> um, so that was a tough hand to be dealt. I mean, they ended up signing Ian Hershey, the kicker, who is, like, you know, legitimately one of their best players. He has, like, that serious of a leg. Um, so, in, like, in that way, it was, it was hard for him to take over those programs because, like, so much of what he had been used to coaching, he just did not have. Um, here at ISU. Um, but, I mean, outside of that, I mean, I, I definitely like the guy. I think he's a very straight shooter. He doesn't, you know, sugarcoat much of anything. He's very, um, you know, realistic. You know, I think he does a pretty good job, at least when he talks to us, about, like, finding a balance between, hey, we, you know, we want to do right by the seniors and, you know, do our best to win this year. But, you know, we also realize that this is going to be a long-term project and, you know, we're not going to get the same turned around 180 degrees, you know, in one year. And so I think in a lot of ways, I just respect like his, you know, real realism, realisticness, whatever. Um, so that's been, been nice to see. I just like, I, I don't know, like he's just so, um, his, his offense has been like not even that bad. I mean, it's just, I mean, they have several, you know, playmakers between, you know, Xavier Gillery and Jalen Johnson, who transferred from Arizona and um, Cyrus Wallace, their tight end. I mean, they have like some legitimate weapons on offense. The problem is that they, they have, you know, they just have not had the quarterback that they expected to have, you know, thrown to these guys and, you know, managing the offense. So um, I think he's done a great job with the offense. Him and, uh, you know, offensive coordinator Taylor Mazzoni have, you know, done the best with, with what they've had. Um, but again, like a lot of these things that have happened this season are just, it's been a bunch of injuries and a bunch of things that they have not been able to control. So, um, I think Regal is doing okay with what he has. It's just like, you know, this really, really tough situation to walk into. Um, and it's definitely not going to get turned around, you know, in one season. 
Well, that's right. That's been the big news out of Pocatello this week, and I'm sure what everybody up here in Missoula wants to know about. Raggle announced, I think, Monday that Sagan Gronauer, who's the third-string quarterback, would be starting. It's been sort of a comedy of errors for the Bengals at that quarterback position, uh, and a lot of bad luck there. Uh, Tyler Vanderwall is a guy who they brought in when I was there, a transfer from Wyoming, a guy who started at Wyoming uh, for a period of time, but eventually found himself on the outs in Laramie. Rob Fennessy brought him in to be the starter, and he showed a lot of good things in that spring 2021 season when I think it looked like Idaho State might be on the upswing again. But the fall 2021 season, you know, I think Tyler Vanderwall regressed a little bit, and then, of course, he got hurt in the fall as well. So that didn't help. By that point, the backup was Hunter Hayes, who's a guy who's an ISU legacy kid from out of, I think, Cody, Wyoming. They brought him in as a walk-on, but by that point in fall of 2021, they decided that he was the guy that they wanted to go with when Tyler Vanderwall got hurt. So you came into this fall 2022 season with two quarterbacks with experience because Hunter Hayes got some time last fall, but now both of those guys have gone down again and the Bengals are rolling with Sagan Gronauer. Greg, just tell me what you know about that situation and and what to expect from Sagan Gronauer. Yeah, well, I think um, uh, well, you and I were uh, talking about this before we started recording. I mean, a lot of the way they used him last year was just kind of, you know, having him hand the ball off and run these kind of sort of, you know, intermediate routes. Um, but there was um, last fall when they played Cal Poly, which they came, I mean, within three points of uh, winning that game. So that game, Gronauer goes 23 for 38, 273 yards, two picks and two touchdowns. So the point is that, like, you know, it's not like they're just using him to just hand the ball off and, you know, run these short, like, slant routes or hitch routes or whatever. Like, he does have a little bit of experience, you know, throwing the ball out there and kind of slinging it. Um, I mean, that the problem is that, like, he's their third stringer for a reason. <laughs> um, and even, I mean, like, this uh, in uh, spring ball and fall camp, it was pretty clear, you know, pretty early on that the quarterback battle was going to be between Vanderwall and Hayes. Um, it was just, I mean, I don't think Gronauer, you know, made much of uh he wasn't the name that the coaches were bringing up a whole lot is the point. And so it became clear pretty quickly that it was going to, you know, be around those two guys. Um, and obviously now they're, they're getting, get, you know, getting down to ground hour. And so I think he has, like I said, I, I think he has some weapons to work with, whether it's, you know, Xavier Guillory or Jalen Johnson or Cyrus Wallace or Raiden Hunter or Benji Amayabu. I mean, they, they have some, like, legit weapons on offense. It's just a matter of, one, do they trust Grant Hour to, you know, throw the ball into space to those guys against the Montana defense that it sounds like is just awesome. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's just, um, you know, whether they trust him to, you know, to get the ball to those guys, and um, and then whether they have to, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, how how well uh, they'll fare uh, running the ball. So maybe at some point it comes down to okay, we have to kind of air it out a little bit, and then you'll find out, you know, what what ground I was kind of made of against a defense that, you know, like I said, it sounds like it's just incredible. Yeah, it's a tough task for any quarterback, let alone one who hasn't played a ton. A little bit more context on Sagan Gronauer here, because he's a guy who was a freshman in 2019 when I was first getting to Pocatello and starting to cover the team. And he he was a guy who looked like he had a lot of potential. I mean, he looks the part. He's out of Las Vegas. He was a good player in high school. He's 6'1", so not great height, but certainly tall enough. Looked the part. And, and in 2019, he was sort of in the background of what was a quarterback battle back then between Matt Strzok and Gunnar Amos in fall camp for the Bengals, and Matt Strzok eventually won that. 
and looked really good for about half the season, and then things started to fall apart down the stretch. And by that point, Gunnar Amos wasn't in the program anymore. So Sagan Gronauer was actually the backup down the stretch in 2019. And as they were sort of trying to light a fire under Matt Strzok, he got some playing time. I think he started a game down the stretch in 2019. He got some playing time again in the fall last year when I wasn't there and Greg was. So I think he's making, if I count correctly, his fifth career start this year, even though he entered the season as the third stringer. But he's a guy, from what I remember of watching him, Pretty good arm, looks the part. He was a guy who, who should have been developed, you know, on a more normal developmental track than this, where he spends a couple years sitting behind somebody and not getting that many game reps, but getting a lot of practice reps. Obviously, it hasn't worked out like that so far for Sagan Gronauer, but I, you know, I saw some good things from him when I was there, and the coaching staff's kept him around, and now he's getting another opportunity to play. Greg, you mentioned some of the guys that he's going to be throwing to. What's the scouting report on the rest of this ISU offense that's going to have to help their their quarterback, you know, along in this game as he's playing for the first time in a while. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, they do have some, like, some real weapons. Um, Xavier Guillory is a guy that um, is a super explosive. I mean, against San Diego State, uh, before Vanderwall got hurt, he caught this, like, slant over the middle and just, like, freaking just erupted up the middle. Just used this, like, unreal speed and just um, and just burned everybody for, I think that was, like, a 75-yard touchdown pass. Um, and then same deal against uh, Northern Colorado last week. He catches the... At the, I'm not sure if it was a slam, but it was a, it was a pass over the middle and um, ends up breaking up like a 51-yard touchdown pass. I mean, takes off a couple tackles. Um, so he is like a, a, a real weapon um, that you know Montana is going to have to account for. Um, and then they have guys. I mean, the running back is uh, Raiden Hunter, um, who uh, you know is, is not the fastest guy in the world, but I think he's he's more of like a built guy that can uh, you know withstand a few tackles. Um, and then they have. A, guy named uh, Jalen Johnson, who is a transfer from Arizona, uh, didn't get to campus until July, um, but he he hasn't, you know, gotten a lot of opportunities, but, um, but for example, against uh, UNLV, he made this awesome double move to shake off this DB and get to wide open for a long touchdown, and when I saw that happen, I thought that UNLV just had a, had a bust coverage, but uh, when I watched the replay, it was like, oh, this guy's made like an incredible move to get open. So, you know, obviously has some wiggle, has, has some talent. Um, and then you look at guys like uh, Benji Amayabu, who I think was there when you were there. Um, you know, you know, pretty short in stature guy, but super fast. He's some kind of, you know, kind of a scat back and uh, receiver. I'm trying to think. And then, um, you know, Cyrus Wallace, uh, the tight end, he, he's a transfer from a junior college in California. Uh, has, you know, has some size to him, uh, is improving as a blocker. Um, and so those are the guys that they're going to, you know, put around ground hour to, to try and solve whatever they can of this Montana defense. Um, and like I said, they, these are like, like legit weapons. I mean, I, I'm not just, you know, trying to talk them up here. I mean, I mean these are like legit guys. Um, it will just be a matter of, you know, how will they fare with their, you know, third string quarterback throwing them the ball. Yeah, Xavier Guillory for sure is a guy who's who's really legit. I mean, talking about like he's as skilled as anybody in the conference. He's having his breakout year this year. As you mentioned, he's a guy who spent a year at Air Force Prep before coming up to Idaho State. He's a guy who's flashed. He was there uh, spring 2021, I believe, was his first playing time. So I got to watch him when I was up there. And he's a guy who's who's long. He's got a good big frame. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of Lance McCutcheon, who was at Montana State last year and is now on the St. Louis 
Rams, and that he's he's big, he's long, he's strong, he's lanky. He can attack the ball at the catch point and catch the ball over defensive backs. This year, it looks like he's a, he's added that explosiveness that Greg is talking about, where he's able to you know catch a slant and beat his guy and turn down field. Um, so he look he looks really good, and he's in fact leading the, the Big Sky Conference right now. Three hundred and seventy seven receiving yards and three touchdowns in four games comes out to almost ninety five yards per game. So he's a guy that I think is as legit as anybody else in the conference. And then behind him, like Greg said, they've got a, a bunch of guys who are talented, but just waiting to break out. Benji Amayabu, you mentioned, he's a guy who broke out a little bit last year. Good returner, smaller, scat back type of guy. Raiden Hunter's a guy in, who's been in the program for a long time, and I know Rob Fennessy and his staff were high on Raiden Hunter when he was coming into the program. So they've got some weapons, I think, like you said. Of course, we're bearing the lead a little bit here, Greg. The problem with ISU, and then this has been a constant going back to Mike Kramer's teams, it was really a big deal with Fennessey's teams. The problem's really never been their offense. Their offense has usually been, you know, a competent Big Sky offense and generally better than that. But Idaho State loves to give points back on the other side of the ball, and it's been the same this year. They can't stop the big plays. They can't stop you running the ball. They can't really stop you throwing the ball either. What have you seen from their defense so far this year? Well, yeah, you're right on there. I mean, their defense has definitely had a lot of holes. I mean, the the strength of their defense is definitely, or at least they, they hope it to be their defensive line with guys like uh, Remo Trevino and uh, Tyler Gonzalez. So I think he'll be back from injury this year or this, this week. Um, Terrence Jones, I mean, and uh, Colton Horton, who is a uh, Eagle high school guy over in Boise. I mean, they, so they, they have some defensive linemen that they, you know, that they, that have forced turnovers that can, you know, create some pressure. But the problem is when you get, the second and third levels, it gets pretty dicey. I mean, a lot of their linebackers um, outside of Charles E.K. just have not played a whole bunch. I mean, they're playing guys like D.J. Hagler um, and, um, you know, just guys that have not played a whole bunch and get to the secondary. And um, They do have one cornerback, uh, Josh Alford, who um, is definitely their best DB, most experienced, being played a little bit, or, I mean, started last year so he you know he has some experience um but then he just go around to the other spots and you know in the defense um whether it's the rest of their secondary or the rest of their linebacker core it's just very uh, you know like i said a, a lot of guys have just not played a bunch a lot of guys that are just like you know are have you know didn't play last year and now they're having to play and it's just like yeah and it's um you know Regal was not, um, he was not too upset with the defense after last weekend's game um, against, Northern, you know, Northern Colorado because, that, I mean, their defense, like, oh, you know, you know, only gave up 21 points, but then it's like, okay, they gave up, like, a punt return touchdown and then, you know, and then a scoop and score, so it's like, okay, I get the defense is out there. Would they have given up more? Would they have not? Um, so, I mean, they haven't been, like, totally just horrible, but, um, but when they've had to be on the field, you know, for several, you know, possessions a game, it's like, you know, if they're not getting pressure, then it gets pretty dicey because then you get the quarterback back there, time to throw, and then the secondary gets exposed in a lot of ways. I and mean, they've they've given up a lot of big plays, you know, on the ground and through the air. Um, and I don't know if there's a good way to solve that. So um, I, I, I I guess they're just hoping that Montana runs the ball because I think they're a lot better against the run than the pass. Um, but again, once you get you know once you get past the first level of ICU defense, get into the linebackers, and once you get into the secondary, then you're starting to have some love because once it you know like I said once it gets past that first level, you're you're running into some holes. You know with that ISU defense. 
Yeah, I love what you said there. I, I'm not sure there's a way to fix it either. I mean, ISU has given up 209 yards on the ground per game, 250 yards in the passing game per game. So you're giving up 200 on the ground. You're giving up 200 in the air. You don't really have anything that you can hang your hat on. And I think it is just a talent issue. I mean, they've got some guys who can play. They've got some okay players on that defense. I also like Josh Alford, who's a guy who came in from St. John Bosco, which is one of the top high schools in California. And he was a guy who played right away, and he's a guy who took his lumps in that spring 2021 season. A lot of teams were picking on him, but he's a guy who's played at a high level. You know, Charles Ike is a is a good run stopping linebacker. He's a he's a good middle linebacker. He knows where to be. He's physical. He's leading them in tackles. They've got some guys on the defensive line, but it's the same story with ISU. I mean, ISU, when I was there, was a team that wanted the defensive line to stop the run, and they almost completely jettisoned any attempt at having a pass rush from the defensive line in an attempt to stop the run, and they weren't really great, at, all, all that great at stopping the run either. They've got some guys on the defensive line, but again, your, your opponents are averaging 5.5 yards per rush, and ISU only has seven sacks this year, and that was always a huge issue for them. Just could never get a pass rush, weren't great at putting quarterbacks under pressure and it seems like that's sort of the same story this year yeah i mean they they have to get pressure on the quarterback um and and you know like you said they have not done a great job of that this year um which i think goes i mean hand in hand with them giving up big plays because when you give the quarterback back their time to throw and they, it doesn't even have to be you know if, you know i mean a, a fantastic quarterback i mean it's just like when you give you know them time to throw. I mean, they're they're going to find guys in space. They're going to whether it's or they can just. I mean, I mean, think of themselves and I mean, you know, running down the field. So it's just like you know, for as much as they they want to be a team that you know emphasizes the you know the the defensive line and gets pressure and you know stops the run. That's just like that's just not the reality. And so like, I mean, again, this is a thing that I don't know if there's a way to solve that. At least not this year until you get a, a new crop of guys and you know some new dudes in there. Um, so yeah, it's just like, I mean, I feel bad picking on it, but it's just like, it's just, it's just hard to find one phase of their defense that's really, you know, made a difference because even the parts of their defense that they've, that they've stressed that they want, they want to hang their hat on. It's just not, not come to fruition. So, um, it's just, just a tough deal for them right now. Yeah, it really is tough, and like I said, I think it really is a talent issue. I mean, you look at a team like Montana who's running three or four deep at every position on the defense and and rolling guys in and rotating, and then you look at a team like ISU who they've got a couple good Big Sky Conference caliber players there, but after that, things start getting real thin, uh, and it's been tough for ISU. So, Greg, I'll, I'll get you out of here. It's Greg Woods, by the way. Idaho State beat writer for the Idaho State Journal down there on Pocatello joining me to talk a little Bengals football as Montana prepares to head down to Pocatello and take on the Bengals this week. But Greg, I, you know, I'll get you out of here and I, I don't want you to to ask you to predict the score of this game. I think, you know, we're all pretty aware of that Montana's going to be favored by a lot in this game and probably is going to be expecting to win by a lot. But what do you want, what, what do you think ISU wants to take out of this game and what's sort of the mood around the team and the program going into this game? Well, I think number one, they want to avoid injuries. I mean, that was their number one. Like, when they played UNLV at the, uh, in their first game of the season, I mean, they got smoked, but nobody got hurt. They got paid a nice paycheck, and they went back to Pocatello um, with, with everybody intact. So I think, like, you know, number one, first and foremost, they just want to make sure that no one gets, um, I mean, seriously hurt against Montana um, so they can at least have some bodies the rest of the season. 
Um, I think if they can avoid giving up, I mean, a rash of big plays like they have in previous weeks, that would be, you know, a little bit of an improvement. I think if they can get a little bit of pressure on the quarterback, um, even if it doesn't lead to sacks, even if it doesn't lead to any hurries, if they can just have some sort of like progress on that front, they would feel encouraged. Um, if they can get guys, I mean, if, uh, you know, Gillery can do his thing and, you know, you know, gets a pass for Jalen Johnson. If they can just get seeing ground hours and positive experience, you know, if he can complete a few, you know, long to, you know, to intermediate routes, that would give him some confidence. I think it's just, I mean, this game, I mean, realistically, they're, they're probably not expecting to win, but if they want if they can avoid injuries and if they can get guys, you know, something to be confident about, something to feel confident about, then, then they'll be on the right track. Cause I mean, I don't, I don't think, you know, a win is, you know, in the cards for them at this point. Well, that basically tells you what you need to know about Montana's matchup with Idaho State coming up on Saturday in Pocatello. It's been a rough season so far for the Bengals in terms of both injuries and, and bad luck, but also in terms of results. Uh, and they'll have a tough task with the 4-0 and Montana Grizzlies coming to town on Saturday. There's everything that you wanted to know about Bengal football, probably, probably more than you wanted to know about Bengal football. Courtesy of a guy who used to cover the Bengals, that's me, Andrew Houghton. And the guy who's covering the Bengals right now, that's Greg Woods of the Idaho State Journal down there in Pocatello. Uh, a great reporter, a guy I'm glad to call a friend of mine as well. Greg, thank you so much for your time, man. Let people know where they can find you if they're looking for more on Idaho State before this game. Yeah, so uh, my Twitter is just uh, Greg W. Woods. Um, and then you could stay locked into our site, you know, IdahoStateJournal.com and our Facebook as well. And, uh, yeah, all the stuff will uh, be on there. Well, sounds good, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for sharing the insight, and I'm looking forward to uh, hanging out with you down in Pokey this weekend. Absolutely, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. There you go, Greg Woods of the Idaho State Journal. With the scouting report on the Idaho State Bengals as the Montana Grizzlies heading down there to Pocatello to take on the Bengals this weekend. Across the sidelines is brought to you by Vance Thompson Vision of Bozeman. Coming up next, we got some more across the sidelines action for you. Shifting focus from the Montana Grizzlies game against Idaho State to Montana State hosting UC Davis in what's an interesting uh, and consequential Big Sky football game. The Aggies, I think they're good, but at 1-3, coming off a loss to Weber State last week, their backs are up against the wall if they want to make a run at the playoffs. So for some more insight on that game, we'll have Scott Marsh for you, UC Davis play-by-play guy, an experienced guy, a really good play-by-play guy. He's up next on Across the Sidelines. Keep it tuned. Nuanez now, ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. 
mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice, and that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, we handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days, and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. ESPN Radio. Welcome back to Nuwana's Now, ESPN Radio Missoula, and the ESPN MT app. This is Jeff Safford and Andrew Houghton filling in for Coulter Nuwana's, who is out today handling some family business out west of us on I-90 in Coeur d'Alene. Glad to be along with you for the remainder of this 5 o'clock hour. On a Thursday, still got one more edition of Nuana's Now coming up tomorrow. Coulter will be back in studio from 4 to 6 to get you ready for the weekend of Big Conference, uh, Big Sky Conference play. Also, high school football taking center stage tomorrow night and Grizz Hockey as well. Tilt my own horn, Grizz Hockey tomorrow night, 7.30, puck drop, University of Idaho. I will be on the call as the Grizzlies open up their regular season. Moving things along with more Big Sky Conference talk, next up, we are going to hear from a guy that I actually have met personally, me being a person that has grown up in Northern California, Scott Marsh, the voice of UC Davis Aggies, also is a UC Davis alum in the early 2000s. You may also be familiar with Scott Marsh, if you are an NBA fan, because Marsh is also a part of the Sacramento Kings broadcast out there in the Sacramento area. So it's cool to see Coulter catching up with Scott Marsh as UC Davis Aggies are headed out to Bozeman this weekend to face off with the Montana State Bobcats in a big sky football tilt. So to get you ready for that action, Scott Marsh visited with Coulter Nuanez earlier this week so we'll play that interview for you right now here on espn radio missoula and the espn mt app well happy now for across the sidelines where we profile various different subjects involved with the opponents for both montana and montana state missed the boat this week dan hawkins he only does his media on mondays and i was late to the draw didn't even uh didn't even put my media request in until tuesday you think i'd be better than this as a veteran but uh, either way we're happy now to be joined by the voice of the uc davis aggies scott marsh scott's uh, been uh doing a variety of different things in the sacramento and davis california area for a long time and a guy i've actually never met in person but we've worked together before scott thanks for being here man how you doing I'm doing great, Coulter. It's great to talk to you. And don't feel bad about missing the press conference because I reached out to the Montana State people about the Coach Vegan press conference on Tuesday as well and found out that he did his on Monday. So I've been doing this 16 years. So, <laughs> Well, me and you both, 16 years, and we still can't figure out how to track these guys down. They're elusive. Uh, but yeah, right. let's start there with, with Coach Hawk because he is such a uh, unique character in a league full of unique characters, but he has such a outside-of-the-box way of thinking, and uh, every time I talk to him, it's total wild card. You never know what you're going to get, but it's always yep. funny and entertaining. So uh, what have you thought of, of just uh, covering his teams and, and uh, getting to know Hawk a little bit uh, as the play-by-play guy there? 
you know what? I think you said it really well. Coach Hawk is a savant. You know, I think he's just one of those characters borderline genius as a football guy, and that's what makes him eccentric because, to your point, you never really know what he's going to want to talk about. Usually, or in a lot of cases, occasions, it's not even about football. You know, he hosts this podcast that he's interviewing astronauts and nuclear physicists, and, you know, football somehow fits into the whole thing. But uh, Hawk has been great to work with. Uh, he makes it fun. He's run a great program. This is his alma mater. He is extremely passionate about UC Davis and UC Davis football. He loves his players, and certainly he stepped up the game with what Davis has been able to do getting into the playoffs for the first two times in school history over his last five years running the program. Well, how much do you think that is a factor? Because I I found UC Davis as an institution uh, very compelling to write about and learn about since they joined the Big Sky Conference 10 years ago because Davis is such an elite academic institution. There's so much to offer there. I mean, the campus is so huge and, and so fun to hang out on. And uh, But it also takes a certain kind of recruiting strategy to find the guys that can fit in there academically and athletically at UC Davis. So how much do you think Hawkins being a UC Davis alum and really understanding that because he is one of those guys, how much does that help him? Uh, it's everything. And to your point, uh, and you can appreciate since you've been here, you know, UC Davis is a world-class university. And, I, you know, I, I don't mean to, to say that in an elitist way, but it is a top-10 public university in the country. It has over 40,000 students. And really, there's not much from an academic standpoint that separates it from, you know, Cal or UCLA. And, and you know, so in my mind, UC Davis, you know, at some point should be a Power 5 football school. Now, obviously, it takes a ton of resources, and there's a lot of steps that would have to go along the ways. But I'm just talking in terms of the university. It truly is at that caliber. You know, as for Dan Hawkins, you know, when you're, you're recruiting at a level where it, it's almost as hard to get into as it is Cal or Stanford, you know, it's tough, right? Um, but what he's done is really smart because he embraces that. And, for example, Nick Amoa, our starting left tackle, uh, he was looking at a lot of schools. He's an aerospace engineer. Wow. Uh, Dan Hawkins told him that, you know, if he comes to Davis, of course, he can major in aerospace engineering and that he's going to be able to do whatever he needs to do to succeed in that field. Quite candidly, when he was recruited from some other schools, they were kind of like, well, we don't know if that's really the right, you know, um, a major path for you if you're going to come to this university to play football and that that rubbed nick the wrong way and that's why he's in the uc davis helmet so to the extent that you know it makes it tough to get some kids in who uh you know might not qualify from an academic standpoint it also brings in a lot of smart kids who really love the davis approach to athletics and student being a student athlete well it seems like hawk really uh, accentuates that too i mean when you watch davis just schematically what they do especially offensively i mean there's so many different formations there's so many different uh, elements of what they do. He's always going to run a trick play, it seems like. So seems like he's taking advantage of, of the uh, the acumen of these guys, too, uh, putting a lot on their plates. But seems like that's uh, kind of the, the style that they want to play. No question. I mean, they run a lot of formations and a lot of eye candy. So if you're trying to prepare for them defensively, it's going to be a long assignment because there's a lot of tape you're going to have to look through to try and get ready for all the schemes that they're going to throw at you. A lot of complicated defensive schemes as well. The players can handle it. So that's a lot of fun. Now, Dan is a coach 
you never know what you're going to see on an individual game. You know, we've seen him go for it nine times on fourth down in the first three games, and then he kicked five field goals in the first half of the game against Weber State. So, you know, in terms of philosophy of, of when he's deciding to go for it or not go for it in game situations and some of those things, like I think Hawk at times could be as unpredictable as he can be when you're talking to him and having a conversation, and whether it's going to be about football or it's going to be about climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Scott Marsh joining us. He's the play-by-play voice of the UC Davis Aggies. They make their way to Montana to take on Montana State in Bozeman. 8.15 p.m. kickoff on Saturday evening from Bobcat Stadium. And let's talk a little bit about Davis' season so far, Scott. I have watched uh, the game against South Dakota State and then the game against Weber State this last week. Two really hard-fought efforts by UC Davis. And uh, they're a, a total of seven points away from being uh, – on uh, a three and one team instead of a one and three team. So, what have you thought of this start so far? It seems like Davis a lot more talented than maybe what their record indicates at this exact moment. I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, from what I've seen from Davis, they're they're a top ten, top fifteen caliber program in the country. And obviously, you go to Cal, and you know they were up seven nothing. That game had a chance to make it a two score game. Uh, they ended up losing 34-13. The game was closer than that. Um, then you go to South Dakota State, you lose by not getting a two-point conversion to tie it up to send that game to overtime. Uh, the most frustrating of all certainly is Weber State. Um, UC Davis had more total yardage. They won the turnover battle three to nothing. Uh, every statistical category you look at, Davis won except on the scoreboard, which is the only stat that matters. So I know that to a player and to a coach, that's a game they feel like got away and ended up losing 17 to 12. But this is a very good, this is very deep, it's a very talented team. And as Dan Hawkins said before the year started, um, whether it's hyperbole or not, that's for you to choose. But he said this is the, the best team in school history. What do you think it is that had him saying that? Because I think UC Davis is very good on the offensive line. I think they have a great running back in Alonzo Gilliam. And it looks like they have a lot of speed defensively and, and some good talent, especially in the secondary. So, uh, I mean, what are the factors, though, in your mind that, that has him so high on this team? Well, I think you pretty much ran them down right there. Um, you know, it starts with the Alonzo Gilliam. I mean, he is a legitimate Walter Payton candidate who just continues to get better and better. He's the all-time leading rusher in school history. He's the all-time all-purpose yardage leader in school history. He's in top 10 in receptions. He's a three-time team captain. So, I mean, you've got to start there uh, with the Alonzo Gilliam. You talk about the offensive line, and it's um, big and experienced and deep. And part of it, they're suffering, you know, from some injuries. Jake Parks is out for an indefinite period of time. He was an all a second-team All-American preseason. Uh, Connor Pettick got banged up in the game against Weber State. I don't know about his availability for this week at Montana State, but you know, there's a lot of depth. I think that's the biggest thing that Coach Hawk sees. And then defensively, particularly in the linebacking position, they go two, three, four lines solid, very deep there. The corners are solid. So I think it's the overall accumulation of talent that really has Dan Hawkins saying that. Scott Marsh. Play-by-play man for UC Davis. It's our Across the Sidelines. It's presented by Vance Thompson Vision. Vance Thompson Vision helping UC across the sideline all football season long. I'll talk about this matchup then, uh, Scott, because I think that it's, uh, as somebody that's covered the Bobcats pretty intently and pretty intensely for the last 12 years, this team still remains a mystery to me. I thought last week was a good win at Eastern Washington, but it was their first real-like uh, opponent. They kind of played two teams they were supposed to just run rough shot over and they did and then they played Oregon State and they got absolutely smacked and uh, then all of a sudden 
They got a, a close one against Eastern Washington, but I still don't know if we know much about Eastern as well uh, with all the turnover they've had on their roster as well. So uh, from your perspective, though, I mean, from, from Aggieland, what is the perspective on the Bobcats? How is UC Davis uh, gauging this opponent as they make their way to Bozeman? Well, and you know the team much better than I do, the Bobcats, that is. But I'd have to push back a little bit because I watched that Eastern Washington game and I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with the Bobcats. I mean, Oregon State is a top 25 team in the country who almost beat USC. So I think you, you just throw that one out right away. But what was so impressive about Montana State, teams just don't go in and win on the Red Inferno very often. So first of all, they get a quality road win against a very good opponent, always impressive. But to do it with the injuries, they see Tommy Malott go out of the game and to step up and have your reserve come in and rush for over 100 yards. And you're, you're fourth string on the running back right now with Elijah Elliott who rushes for over 100 yards. And you just have people standing up. So I, I think the depth of the team, the quality of the coaching, the belief that you're going to win in any circumstance, I think that's what makes the Bobcats stand out. And to me, I think that's what makes this a really intriguing matchup, and I'm so glad it's a national TV broadcast because these are two very talented, well-coached, very deep football teams. Well, last thing for you then, uh, what's the level of sense of urgency with UC Davis? That's the other reason I find Hawkins fascinating, right? Because he's one of the only co- coaches in the country that will tell you, well, you know, winning is is what it is, but we're here for a variety of different reasons, and that's only one of them. But it also seems like, you know, they're here to, to win football games and make another playoff chase and another potentially playoff run. So uh, what is the sense of urgency like with Davis coming to Bozeman with three losses on the docket already? Well, and of course, you know, Dan Hawkins talks about the process and not focusing in on the results. But I think every college coach in America says that, too. And I, I know that Coach Hawkins believes that, and that's part of the Aggie way. But we got to talk reality, and we're media people here. I mean, the sense of urgency is high for UC Davis. You can go and say, you know, all three losses against quality opponents, uh, Tennessee State on the road, a loss against the Bobcats certainly is a quote-unquote quality loss if there is such a thing but the reality is if they don't win on Saturday night they're one in four and then the chances of making the FCS playoffs are I won't say non-existent because Davis could run the table but that's a very tough thing to do so I mean they would have to win at least six of the you know five of the six remaining games to have a shot at six and five it seems unlikely and of course UC Davis finishes with the Causeway Classic which Sacramento State and now the Hornets are maybe the best team in the country I mean right now uh, the Hornets are playing like they're a national championship contender so that won't be easy on the schedule so there is high urgency I mean I can't say it's a must must win scenario for the Aggies but it feels to me, uh, as close as it is to a, to a must-win on Saturday night. Scott Barsh, play-by-play voice for the UC Davis Aggies and also doing a bunch of other fun stuff uh, in the Sacramento and Davis area. Joining us here on Nuanas Now. Scott, thanks for taking some time for us, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for the insight. And uh, I'll be in Bozeman on, on Saturday, so I'll be sure to come say hi. Best of luck with everything and travel safe. Coulter, I'm looking forward to seeing you, my friend. Always great to be with you anytime. You know that. Across the sidelines... It's presented by Vance Thompson Vision. From the sidelines to the end zone, catch every play with your best vision. With world-class eye surgeons, friendly professional care, and the most advanced technology available, you can trust Vance Thompson Vision to help you achieve your best possible vision. Whether it's LASIK, cataracts, or glaucoma, Vance Thompson Vision's team of experts can help you see every play with clear vision. Visit VanceThompsonVision.com to learn more and call to schedule a consultation 866-620-EYES. Vance Thompson Vision, helping you see across the sideline 
all season long. We've got a few minutes left in the show before we get to the end of things. Again, that was Scott Marsh, the play-by-play voice of UC Davis, bringing a little NorCal 916 out to you here in the 406. So we'll come back and wrap things up here. This is Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio Missoula, and the ESPN MT app. Back with more after this. At Jewelry Design Center, they can make anything you desire. We have branded jewelry that you'll see across the world and the country. And you have full access to our full manufacturing shop. You can look in the case. You don't have to start out designing something. You can see anything that we have in the case that customize it for your personal experience. Jewelry Design Center, now open in Missoula at 2501 Brook Street, across from the Montana Club. Jewelry Design Center, your jeweler for life. It's new on is now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Back with you on ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana in the ESPN MT app. Nuanez now, just a couple minutes left here on Nuanez now. Wrapping up the show here, it's been a jam-packed show for you. Plenty of across-the-sidelines action. Charlie Raggle, head coach of Idaho State football, got some Hauk highlights in there as well in the first hour. And Tom Carter, who's been starring for Helena Capital, the Bruins, the last undefeated team in Class AA football. Second hour, Greg Woods, a good friend of mine. Down to the Idaho State Journal, giving you some more details on ISU football before the Grizzlies head down there this weekend. As well as Scott Marsh, play-by-play man for UC Davis. The Aggies coming to Bozeman this week in a big-time, big-time Big Sky Conference football game. Just a minute left here. You'll notice if you're watching on the ESPN MT app, we got Jeff Safford back in the studio. Wanted to do a couple more baseball things. So, Jeff, real quick here, a couple stories that I don't think we got to. We talked about records. NL wildcard chase is heating up. Uh, but a couple more things to get to. Los Angeles Dodgers winning 107 last night. I think they've been a team that's sort of been overlooked a little bit because uh, they've just been consistently excellent all year. Absolutely. And really piggybacking off of what they did a season ago, it's – a franchise high and wins again, so to speak, if you're the Dodgers, setting that mark last year, remarkably losing the division to the San Francisco Giants, who had an otherworldly year last season, came back down to earth, maybe a chance to scratch out a season at 500, but still not living up to what they wanted to do. But man, I think, Andrew, you put it the best way that people may be overlooking the Dodgers just because they expect to see a dub in the box score every night. But you cannot overlook this club, the amount of talent that they have. I mean, their lineup is insane, one through nine. Not to mention a pitching staff that features some of the best pitchers in the league and Hall of Famers to boot. But future Hall of Famers, guys like Clayton Kershaw. So, I mean, that's just a team that will just be, I think, really looking to prove themselves also. There you go. A little more baseball talk as we're getting out here on Nuanez now. Culture Nuanez will be back tomorrow. Jam-packed show. We've got Carolyn, the chick who doesn't know sports, as well as the Garden City Spotlight, Dane Oliver of Sentinel. 
Matt Johnson of Big Sky, Ryan Nelson of Hellgate, Alex Eshelman of SWX Montana coming on. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. This has been Nuanez Now, ESPN Radio. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.